All right, welcome everybody into another episode of Mad About Hoops. It is our 40th episode. I'm your college basketball friend, Timmy Hall. He's your college basketball friend, Evil Bald Colin. And uh, I don't know how many cups of coffee you have in you. It is 10.15 in the morning on another championship Saturday, day before Selection Sunday. I crashed out at 2.30. Actually, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning on the couch again in the basketball viewing room. Went, oh up, to, went up to one of the bedrooms and, and slept for another seven hours. Slept in. And here we are. What a day that was, Colin. What a day, right? Yeah, what a day. and what Just so many great games. And I'm not, not even just talking about the Ohio State game, which is obviously on the front of our minds. But just around the landscape of the sport, there's so many storylines breaking out, whether it's bid stealers, whether it's teams looking like they're ready to make a run next week. Like, there's just so many different angles that you can look at this. And I'm, I'm really just impressed by some of the talent we're seeing right now, but I'm also amazed at how many underseeded teams we're going to have starting Sunday night. Well, we're going to get into a lot of it here and we're going to do it fast. This is going to be another mad about hoops quickie because we just want to get back to watching basketball. <laughs> we just want to get back and get ready. And yeah, I don't, I don't even know what time they start today. Is I don't, it... I don't know. Yeah. It's, 11 30 12 we i know that we've got the ohio state michigan oh, we game have, we have an one. 11 a.m eastern game the america east final between umass lowell and hartford umass lowell one of those teams that pushed ohio state to the brink earlier this season a good game mm-hmm. what are they the river hawks the river hawks i believe yes man what a what a sweet nickname that is <laughs> the river hawks so we'll talk about We'll talk about conference tournaments, obviously. We'll get into a little bit about what has gone on with Duke, Virginia, and Kansas, and some of these other schools that have the positive tests and they had to bow out, and what should have been done for safety measures and for creating more of a bubble to prepare for the NCAA tournament. We got into a fun coaches discussion on social media last night. We can touch on that. And evil bald Colin has a new favorite player in college basketball. And you will be fascinated with the why. So buckle up, strap in. Selection Sunday is tomorrow. It's our 40th episode of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh! 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 Send it in, Jerome! Oh! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! All right, Tim, we kind of mentioned in the beginning of that dry open there some of the amazing games we had last night. I think we would be remiss if we didn't start with what I considered the best game of the day, and that was UConn versus Creighton. I don't know how much you watched of that game. I did. But I, I watched it. I was I, watching it with you, man. That I was. I, I had was, that one I on. I was very impressed with UConn, and I'm glad to see that they're back and healthy, and especially after James Booknight had like full body cramps last night. It was really good to see him at full strength again. 
Um, but I was even more so impressed by Creighton because this is a team that you kind of are used to seeing collapse towards postseason time, especially under McDermott. And what they're doing right now is it's pretty consistent. They have a really good one-two punch with Damian Jefferson and uh, uh, Marcus Zagorowski. Zagorowski is just one of those guards that you can picture putting his team on his back, yeah. right? Like, I I mean, when, you, when you think about some of the great guards that we've watched in the tournament, shoot, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of, of great ones that led UConn to big things. And I, I'd be blown away if Zagorowski took Creighton to a Final Four or took him to the National Championship game. That would, that would give me a whole new level of respect for him. But we know he's been a fantastic player in the Big East, right? He's, he's been on there. Uh, did he make first? He should have made first team this year yeah i'm pretty sure yeah he did not win player that's another funny thing about that conference is they named three different players as their uh player of the year that's interesting they gave it a little yeah. uh triple little they triple play right jeremy uh, jeremiah Robert, robinson earl and sandra was I, one of them right mama kulashvili from yeah Seton? mamu yeah yeah, yeah yeah he had and he had a heck of a year players but yeah but zagorowski just he's almost a little bit like Dwayne washington jr our guy here at ohio state where he just he feeds off of making a big play and he shows that emotion too. I mean, I would imagine all players when they make big plays internally, they will feed off of that. That'll help their defense, that'll help their confidence for the next trip up the floor, but he just wears it on his sleeve, you know? Like he just looks like he's got that bulldog mentality. I want that guy on my team when it's tournament time. And you're right. Like it, it was it was an impressive challenge to see Creighton pass. They've They've taken some licks here, you know, late in the season. I mean, they, they lost that game to Xavier on the road, which wasn't great for them. And then they no. stumbled on the road to Villanova. But, you know, that's being a little nitpicky there. For the most part, they have kept it together. I think that, you know, if you look at those two losses, they've still won, you know, seven of their last nine or something like that with getting this this UConn win. They had the, the consecutive wins over Butler, one uh, in the regular season, one here at the Big East Tournament. But how about the finish, right? Like, that was just you, – you want something like that in a game like this where the ball's bouncing around. You get not one but two chances to get the three-point equalizer. Creighton is scrambling. They can't get a floor foul, right? It's too dangerous because there's right. the time's ticking away. I just – your thoughts on how that finished. And I, I can't remember which UConn guard it was that was – there with Hurley, uh, maybe it was R.J. Cole, but one of the fellas who missed one of those shots there, you could just see the emotion, and he was kind of sure. breaking down. Yeah, you know, one one thing I am kind of nervous about, and I, I'm not going to spill any secrets when it comes to our player pool we're going to start doing Monday night, but uh, James Booknight, I love him. I would love him on my squad, but I am a little concerned. He doesn't always have the killer mindset to go get the ball and be the guy holding the ball when it needs it the most, which is okay because they're – they're a more balanced team than what I think Creighton is. Creighton's more top-heavy with their two top guys. Um, but, yeah, you, you mentioned R.J. Cole. I think the guy, the 6'9 dude, Polly, was the guy that took that last shot that was completely wide open. In the, on wide the top open, yeah. Right side. I mean, you just you can't ask for a better shot than that. But, um, no, these are, these are two really good teams that I see having potential runs in them. I think Creighton, especially as a five seed, won't be one of those teams that falls in a 5-12 matchup. I think they're a little bit too, too much balance for that. Um, and UConn, I, I mentioned, is going to be completely underseeded as like an eight or a nine, and it's going to give a one seed a nightmare. Um, the, both of those teams, the Big East has been 
dogged on this year for being down, but those two teams themselves are not. I mean, that's only the third loss that UConn's had with Book Knight in the lineup. That's interesting. I mean, cl- clearly he's a he's a big time player, and Absolutely. I know you you were worried Absolutely. about him cramping up. And here we go. This is this is tournament time. You're going to battle through just about anything you can, right? Outside of uh, we look here at Ohio State, we hope we're going to be okay with with our power forward and Kyle Young, who. Uh, Guys, if you were not paying attention to the Big Ten tournament yesterday, oh my God, you talk about high-level basketball and just drama. The first two games of the day on Friday, you had a legendary player turned college basketball head coach in Jawan Howard wanting to fist fight the Turge, Mark Turgeon, who is becoming one of the more hateable coaches out there for me and i agree he's a former kansas jayhawk player and that's my university and i can't believe i'm saying that but you know what i'm kind of feeling that way for both of them now because Jawan howard has been known and just his short year and let's let's call it almost a full two years now he's been known to be chirpy to not just coaches but other players too like he is He's a player inside of the coach's position right now. And I, I understand there's coaches like I've heard Fran and then obviously Turge are both not fans of how he pr- behaves on the sidelines and whatnot. And I, I completely understand. They're kind of both going down that path for me. That's just, that's weird because what was being described yesterday is that Juwan has been known as more of a, a mild mannered guy that it would take him. And, and you mentioned some of the trash that's, talking. That's funny. You, you mentioned some of the trash talking. I wonder like how much everybody does that. I mean, look at our guy, Chris Holtman. We think that he's a pretty calm and composed guy, but he will even, he mm-hmm. will even admit to us some of the funny lines that he has delivered to officials, right? Some of that is just natural. Oh, sure. It would be different, oh, sure. you're right, if it's directed at the other end of the bench and you're kind of going after coaches or loudly shouting things about other players. But, I mean, if we're just going to keep it, you mentioned Jawan and he's part of this, and if we're going to keep it to the two guys that we're discussing, Mark Turgeon, we know. I mean, we he, already know. <laughs> he has taken things publicly about other teams' players. It's like, dude, just give it a rest. All sorts of stuff is going to happen when you have abominations of referees like we have in the Big Ten. There are going to be guys that get the special treatment. Just look at Ohio State's game last night. Travion Williams, and I get it. Like When you have that mentality Mm. and you play with that kind of edge, I kind of appreciate how referees let you do your thing because you're aggressive and... You're going after it, and Travion. That's fine, but Travion you gotta allow yeah. it on the other end. You, you like, do. You can't right. just you, you can't just expose the defender like that. No, I mean, and Travion was able to kind of like make contact and back down anybody that he wanted to, and he wasn't he wasn't picking up any offensive fouls at all for pushing mm-hmm. a shoulder in or anything like that. And then it seemed to it seemed to bleed over to the defensive side where Travion was able to get away with kind of putting the arm down, which usually is always the sign for the hand to go up and a shooting foul to occur. Thought that happened right. to EJ and Kyle a number of times, and Travion didn't get a whistle. And Zach Eady was kind of let to get away too. But what would Turgeon would do this about Caleb Wesson. That was the thing. <laughs> Turgeon would go public about Ohio State's Caleb Wesson, and he was universally known for never getting a call and right. always having fouls called on him, no matter what he would do down there. And he just would get no respect from anybody. Yeah, that I, I think that was. Back then, when we were discussing it, that was one of the more funny beasts I've ever seen anybody have with anybody because you're you're upset about something that's made up in your mind, honestly. Maybe 
maybe he had a few favorable calls in the game that had against you, but overall, I mean, Caleb Wesson was one of the most right. uh, refereed against people I've ever seen in the game of college basketball. It's like, are we talking about the same guy here? And I, I don't think so. And, and you know what? Like Turgeon's response about what was said, because there were some reports floating around there about how a comment, and I don't know if it was, if it was attributed to Turgeon and maybe a Maryland player, you know, said something, barked something back there. There's a lot of guys out there. There's sure. a lot of passion. And maybe Juwan thought that it was Mark Turgeon, but there was something apparently said about a banner coming down before it even goes up or some kind of dig at the Fab Five and the sanctions, which is hilarious, right? Like that, that's funny. That's so funny. <laughs> it, is, I, it is hilarious. I honestly... I, I mean, obviously, I don't have a dog in a fight, but... But you're a liar, I, Mark. You're a liar to say that you just said, <laughs> don't talk to me. Yeah, you said, don't talk to me, and Juwan Howard flies off the handle like that and wants to fist fight. Sure, that makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. Yeah, no, I like I said, I don't have a dog in a fight, but I absolutely adore, I love the drama <laughs> that Turgeon definitely, definitely kind of spurred up, and yeah... I, I, I'm with you. I don't think Jawan's reacting like that. If it's something, just saying, don't talk to me. All right, pal. So get get to the Buckeyes. What did you think? Just overall, 18-point first-half lead. It, it withers <sighs> away. It's a zero-point lead, and then you just go and step down on the gas pedal in the overtime, and you do it with Seth Towns. I mean, everybody saw that coming. Yeah, no. That, yeah, definitely everybody saw that coming. No, I – uh I can definitely get negative when they blow big leads, but I, I really didn't feel like it was all them and more so they just got taken out of the rhythm by how it was getting refereed. Like, I, I think that really had a big impact on how that second half went along with also losing one of your big guys down low. I mean, when you, you, when you have to spend half your time putting Seth Towns on Travion Williams, I mean, it's not going to end well. I mean, it very rarely is that ever going to turn out in your favor. Um, I think the biggest thing I took away from the game is how they responded late. And I, I think a guy that I texted you about during the game made a couple of key, you're not going to see him in the stat line type of things in Zed key early in that overtime where he earned him an extra possession on a battle with, I'm with you. One of the, the one first of the guys down the low first possession of the overtime, right? Where mm -hmm. yeah, there is a, a, a down screen for Travion Williams. And I don't remember which right. Purdue guard was driving. Maybe it was Hunter and he kept moving his feet when you would think a switch was going to happen, he hedged a little bit into the post, and then right. C.J. Walker was able to play off of that and then come in and swipe for the steal. And you're right. Like, with the way that the momentum ended in the first, in the second half with C.J. That's turning amazing. it over, when you think you need to get a shot up in the air for maybe a win, that's really mm -hmm. that's really not shocking, too, right, to see how the Bucks have played in end-of-game situations that you have a tie game, 10 full seconds to get up the floor, and C.J. just turns it over. But you were right. Zed Key unsung you won't know it from the stat line that was a critical play to get a I steal also, i also want to say i saw a lot ball. of people get on like what what did, what was holtman drawing up there in that final play of regulation i'm like it's not about the play it's just the player just lost the ball he turned like, it over I don't, they didn't even <laughs> get into know. it they didn't even get a play he dribbled they the ball get into the action and yeah. i i could see i could see what they were trying to set up it just he just flat out lost a ball and he had he had some ball handling issues not necessarily losing the ball but every so often he would like lose control of the dribble and it like go off and away i'm like let's shore that up because this is a, this is a really close game down the stretch um but they get, yes look, they I, gotta be I'm, they gotta be better they gotta you know they come do. they gotta come after every single game here where they let a lead like that slip away and tell themselves 
we got to try to be better. We've got to try to get into some positions where we can generate some better offense, some better looks, so we don't have these long droughts. I mean, Colin, I think they had six buckets total in the second half. Maybe mm-hmm. Moose's jumper to, I wouldn't call it ending the drought. It was just in the middle of two droughts when Musa hit that one jumper. Everything else was just free throws and chipping in some points from the line. But beyond that, I mean, it was it was a disaster. But I'm, I'm everyone I continue to talk to that has lived college basketball, been a part of it, like for their job, coached or played, no one will get back to you and say there's any type of anger or being pissed off with a win. All right. Oh, if you course, choked absolutely. it away, we can talk about that. But you beat Purdue. You beat them. It was a great you- win to regenerate, like you said. Figure it out in the overtime. No one in the basketball world was thinking that Ohio State would win that game when it happened. So that, to me, is a job well done. You proved something in winning that game in overtime. Yeah, absolutely. You proved something. You proved that you can get off the schneid of losing before the Minnesota game four straight, and you proved that you can beat a top-five seed again. I mean, at that point, it's just all about building confidence, and I think that's what they did. I'm just concerned going forward what the issue with Kyle Young's going to mean to the post play, especially facing Hunter Dickinson later today. Like it's just, it's a nightmare that kept me up a little bit last night because I don't know <laughs> how they're going to address it. If they're going to do more double teams down in the post, like what are they going to do to a make sure that EJ doesn't get into foul trouble again, because I don't know what they're going to do if that happens. So evil, bef- we'll move on to some other things here and finish up this pod and we'll, we'll just do a mad dash and hit on a bunch of different things. That player that you love, a little coach's conversation, <laughs> some of the many, many games here on Saturday. But Buckeyes and, and Wolverines, you gave us a great little prediction. You're just such a negative basketball fan. You're the one that's always texting me in games. like, oh, Why are they doing this? Why isn't Ohio State running more set plays? Like you, you're, you're that guy for me that does that. Mm-hmm. And you went mm-hmm. with the homer pick, as you called it. You picked the Buckeyes. It worked. We can't go against it now, right? I mean, we've made it to a weekend finally here in the Big Ten it's, tournament. Uh, yeah, I'll say what I said yesterday. It's a head versus heart pick. The head tells me pick Michigan because you don't know what's going on with Kyle Young. The heart tells me that this is just a team that just found its groove within the last two games, whether or not they blew the leads or not. That's a question for other people to answer. But I do believe that they found their groove with getting wins, just getting the W in the column. Like what you said, I do believe in the heart, they're going to win. I'll go, you know, both of these teams have been kind of a little bit more lower scoring than usual in the past couple of games. I'll go 77 74 Ohio State you know I like that I was thinking mid low 70s as well and I you always want to get out to a lead right (laughs) who wouldn't if you have an opportunity early in the game to get hot and get a 20 point lead on someone you take that every time and you deal with the consequences of playing with that dangerous lead I don't think there's going to be a chance against a Michigan team like this for Ohio State to generate that kind of lead and who knows, who knows, evil, maybe it just keeps the guys locked in a little bit better for the entire 40 minutes to play nip and tuck and to have that lead go back and forth. Or maybe the, I think I said it on last night's show. I'd like to see the Buckeyes down by six points with eight minutes to go in when the game enters as Ron Stokes calls it winning time. When that under eight media timeout hits winning time, let's be down by four or six points and see what happens. I just, I also believe EJ, don't you, is due for like a 30. 
he just hasn't been oh, compl- wow. he hasn't been completely <laughs> on with his offense. And you know when he gets going, he hits that mid-range jumper. He hits that little 10-foot step-back fadeaway jumper over the bigs. And then he's knocking mm-hmm. down threes all season left and right from the top of the key or the left or right wing. I, just, I think he's due for a huge offensive game. Yeah, I definitely understand that, especially because this is another situation where you can take advantage of his athleticism versus a big like a Hunter Dickinson or Austin Davis. No so, doubt. Yeah, I definitely believe he could take advantage of that. And he tried to in the last matchup versus Michigan. Um, gosh, Michigan won that game yesterday and Isaiah Livers didn't even score a single point. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I am cautiously optimistic. I would like to hear an update on Kyle Young at some point. Hopefully we can get that before tip here. Um, but even if they don't, even if they don't win this game, I said this yesterday, I think they're locked into a two seed. I think there's really, Lenardi's got teams like Arkansas and what hanging on on the three line. I don't think they can catch them at this point. Ohio State's done enough with their resume. I believe that would lock them into a two, no matter how this game goes. All right, Evil. So as we look at some of these other conference tournaments, it's going to be a hefty day on Saturday. First off, are you surprised by all of the games that are going on here? Like this has been a topic around college basketball. And Mm -hmm. I, I agree with everybody who's putting this out there. We're playing in a pandemic still. Why in the hell didn't more people get on board with pushing up some conference tournaments, knowing what the requirements are going to be to enter the NCAA tournament? And you've got Duke, who's out. They're done. Their season's done, their AD said. Kansas and Virginia are locks and very, very nice seeds for the NCAA tournament, and they are in jeopardy of that seven-day timeline, and I think Tuesday is the cutoff day, so they say, right? I guarantee you some exceptions are about to be made after everything the uh, NCAA put out there. But why are we seeing all the small conference tournament championship games today? Bump these up. Sprinkle it out. It's almost like the NFL discussion we have with viewing. We love the madness, Mm. but there's just so much on you can't even watch it. And I know that's a problem that you might never – completely solve because there's just too many teams and conferences but can we make this like a two-week window going forward and then at least this year this year with the pandemic why didn't we think more about this i these questions always come down to a simple answer and it's money they they like the window that this occurs in where you get all these championship championship games happening right around selection sunday selection sunday happens and then boom you're right into the tournament within four to five days I think they thought if they move it up or if they move a lot of these conference tournaments and shift everything up, that would complicate the window because the NCAA was so locked in on having their start of their weekend being the weekend of the 19th, whatever, and they didn't want that buffer zone. Why? It obviously made sense to do it. It's just I think it's a money motive. I mean, we've had years in the past where you would sacrifice being in this week just to get in a certain venue. We saw the Big Ten do it just to get in the garden because in this week, the Big East always has the rights to that. We've seen things like that happen. And what like what good is is having all these games on and getting the sponsors to buy in if no one's going to watch it? Like I I'm I find that interesting to continue to see like the feedback and the ratings come back and then they continue Mm -hmm. to do it every year and still want to be in this week because you mentioned the buzz is more here because we're a day away from Selection Sunday. But you just can't get all of the eyeballs on all of these networks on all of these games. It's just 
not possible. It, it must be good enough for them to get the paychecks. That, that I agree with. Yeah, the money thing really is an excuse for some of these smaller conferences. Like the the SWAC. The SWAC is one of the worst conferences in all of basketball. Oh, they should not be playing their championship this week. you talk bad about the SWAC? Well, you I mean, Iowa Texas State only Southern. If it means anything to you, Iowa State only had two wins this year, and the one of the wins was against the two seed in Jackson State. So unbelievable. So l- look at some of these conference championship games, or just some mm-hmm. of these quarter, not quarterfinals. You know what I mean? Semifinals, some big conference finals. There's it's getting slimmer, but there's still. A whole lot of basketball going on today, like you said, starting at 11 a.m. with UMass Lowell and Hartford for the old America East championship game. I can't believe a couple of the teams that aren't in that America East. No UMBC, no Vermont. What the heck happened? They were both upset in the previous round in the semifinals. Uh, UMBC had a huge lead and then blew it, and then Vermont just didn't play very well against Hartford. And then you look at you got Morgan State, Norfolk State in the MEAC. Then mm-hmm. you have what you like to call the MAC, the Metro Atlantic. That's Iona and Fairfield at four o'clock today. I know you want to hit on that one. Yeah, don't bury the lead because Iona's head coach Rick Patino is forty minutes away from another tournament appearance with Iona College, and this is another team. Um, if they get into the tournament, there's a player, Isaiah Ross, who averages about 20, 21 points a game. That's going to be really fun to watch. I hope he can get his team in. Yeah, and I think you're probably going to be pinpointing him for your 13 to 16 seed player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot pool. of other people are too. So I, uh, I'm not going to get my hopes up, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, and a little recommendation. Aside from just doing a bracket pool, we, we mentioned this last year too. Do a player pool. Do your bracket pool and then do a player pool where you get with your buddies and you draft March Madness players. And you're trying to pick guys that you think are going to go deep into the tournament and you just do points. That's all you do. So Gonzaga guys are going to fly off the board and then make a little rule like we were saying there where you have to pick at least one guy for a 13 to a 16 seed. That way someone can get hot if you catch that upset and you've got the leading score for that team. It's just it's a lot of fun and you can just do your draft on zoom now because that's how we're doing everything that's how we're doing this shoot yeah absolutely <laughs> so i can't wait it's I, I can't wait either the uh the other games that i know i'm gonna be paying attention to seeing georgetown in a big east championship <laughs> i mean they're gonna know who patrick ewing is if he walks off the court <laughs> if he's gonna be on the court at at Madison Square Garden looking up in the rafters seeing his jersey and also hoisting up a trophy by beating Creighton and stealing a bid. How about Jeff Bowles, our guy who we were trying to yes. get him on the podcast earlier this season and we had some scheduling conflicts. His Good Bobcats taking on Buffalo in the Mac championship. And just sure enough, in that league those teams that were at the top, a lot of the Ohio schools were up there, but Toledo being gone with their player of the year, Marion Jackson, plays for Toledo. And Danny Pippen for Kent State, you know, I, I mm-hmm. think I saw that he didn't play. I was looking to see what was up with that issue. Kent State didn't make it, but my goodness, some bid stealing could be going on today. So full watch. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like I, I told you, Oregon State's another team to watch out for, Georgetown. Um, some of the teams in the American teams like Memphis or Cincinnati, those could be teams that could steal bids too. And if we look at the big conference guys, 
the Big Ten, after Ohio State and Michigan get going, you get a top five matchup. You get Iowa and Illinois once again. Holy crap. Like, this is just – Illinois is so hot, it's not even funny right now. Only loss, like in the last couple of months, was that one on the road at Michigan State. That's it. They've kept it together beyond that. Yeah, I do believe Illinois wins this game. Iowa, first off, I was shocked that Joe Wieskamp played in that game against Wisconsin last night. He had a really, really ugly-looking sprained ankle, I thought, in the uh, season finale. So I'm surprised he played that game last night. He played pretty well. Uh, but Iowa, as a whole, kind of looked underwhelming against Wisconsin. They weren't really good from the field. Uh, I'll go with the hot team, Illinois. I think they win this by about six to eight points. Hey, the last couple things to hit on here, and then uh, we'll, we'll release everybody. You saw something, and I'll I'll play the I'll play the sound for everybody, and then you you can comment on it. As you you tweeted out earlier this morning about a player for Utah State. Who, yes, Mark, Marco Anthony, a guard. Marco Anthony, and this game was – what what channel were you watching this on? Was this on some uh, – this was on Fox. Uh, I, I actually didn't watch it. I was asleep by then because it was a midnight tip-off. But, um, yeah, it was on, I believe, CBS Sportsnet. CBS Sports Network, Utah State and Colorado State. Listen to, uh, listen to the broadcasters break down – why the jersey number uh, is this way for Marco Anthony. You read the media guide and a lot of players will wear the number their father wore or a lucky number, but that's not the case for Marco Anthony. He wears number 44 because he always liked the Wendy's four for four meal deals. And I asked him last night, I said, is that really true? Is that real? Like, did you just make that up? He said, how could I make something like that up? It's true. Yeah, you know, I love people that have weird inspirations for jersey numbers, but when I saw that this morning, I was cracking up laughing because it's about something I would do too. For the 4 for 4 from Wendy's, absolutely. I mean, are you kidding me? It's not it's not his father's jersey number. It's not a basketball hero. This guy has a jersey number dedicated to fast food. It's, it's un- amazing. It's unbelievable. I love it. I, I would have never thought that I would want to be number one in honor of the McDonald's dollar menu and how I used to eat a double cheeseburger every single night of the week when I was a college student. Like, that was just the normal nutrition, right? Just go out there, find a window, and get that double cheeseburger. We'd go down Naismith Drive and hit that McDonald's right at the end of the road and then take it back to the dorms, and that's how we did it. Four for four. What is, what is the Arby's? Did Arby's have the six for six? Is that where they went? Like, if you could go with a number of Maybe. Yeah, that. there's so many to keep up with. I don't even know anymore. Dude, that's unbelievable. And as I was saying earlier in the pod, just watching a little bit of that UNC-Florida State game, I don't know why yeah. it got me thinking that way, but I, I started to just think about my favorite coaches. Not necessarily, like, how you were ranking your coaches, even though – it would be the same for me with Leonard Hamilton because he is wildly, criminally underrated across the board. And if you couldn't pick the guy, like we couldn't say Chris Holtman because we're Ohio State guys, I was saying Leonard Hamilton right up at the top of my list. And that got so much reaction on social media. And you guys can follow us at Mad About, at Mad About Hoops. And I'm there at Tim Hall 971 And he's at Colin underscore Behringer if you want to follow him. But 
Goodness gracious. Even got you involved on that late night last night. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a fun discussion because I think we're more in-depth on it than maybe the average person because there's so many coaches that we love. And, uh, yeah, I had to break it into categories because I love Dan Hurley, and I was I loved watching him last night because he's a guy that he's got a, an intensity to him. Those Hurleys have a real, real strong intensity to him. But he's also really funny when he knows he's wrong or he uh, he knows, like, a call gets turned against him. Like, there was a uh, – like an over and back call that got changed on him. He's like, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm you got good. the right call. <laughs> and he's, he's funny. Um, I also had a honorable mention in there of uh, uh, sideline antics, Kevin Willard down at Seton hall. He's a really funny guy to watch on the sidelines, depending on what's going on in the game. And then uh, I know it's a, it's a tough subject for you knowing where this guy coaches, but uh, Ben Jacobson down in uh, Northern Iowa is a guy that I like too. He's had some really good teams there. And obviously, um, Kansas knows a little bit about his team. Kansas does know a little bit about him, but um, he's been there since I'm, 2006. I'm cool that's that's, a, that's that, a pretty long time to be at a place like that. That is a crazy run. That that's unbelievable. You've got a so many responses were coming in on that one, and uh, Porter Moser was one of the first ones that I saw somebody throw Good out. Call. Yeah, how could I saw you not a Pat, I saw a Pat Kelsey under there. I'm like, we're throwing in Winthrop. I love it. Yeah, I think the first response was Pat Kelsey for Winthrop. And there, there was some definite mid-major flavor with some of the re- responses. We had Panama Ted, who is the great producer for the famous Common Man and T-Bone Afternoon Drive radio show. He loves him some Brad Underwood. And you know what? Like, it's got to be said, Brad He's Underwood – looks just like Gene Cady's younger brother with hair. That's amazing. If you look into his <laughs> face and just look at the ferocity that is there, just the, the facial expressions that he makes, he's Gene Cady. Like, that's Brad Underwood for you at Illinois. And of that's course... That's scary to think about. Yeah, that's and of course, to think he's, about. A, he's a fantastic coach. Uh, Matt Painter was getting some love. Bob Huggins was getting a lot of love in that one that I completely of agree course. with. And... There was one other mid-major one. Yeah, it was Richie McKay at Liberty, who is in his second stint at Liberty. Yeah, he's been they, a coach for a long won, time. They've won the A-Sun tournament every year they've yeah, been in it. Yeah, yeah. His third, I think this is his third season. I third think it's or the third. Back I think it's at, the third. At Liberty, and he is just wrecking the Atlantic Sun. Since they moved from the Big South to the A-Sun, he That's has just right. been torching it. And he, I believe, got Seth Curry, Steph's younger brother, to Liberty in that first stint. And then he went to Virginia, and he was Tony Bennett's bench coach for a while. And he's a pretty respected guy that that doesn't get a whole lot of love. But the, the, the last thing about Bob Huggins, by the way, I'll leave it with this. Bob Huggins, he gets that love because he's been dressing that way all the way to 900 victories in college basketball. And now everybody is doing it. Everybody's doing it this year in the pandemic. So uh, that's I love it. I, and I hope it doesn't change either because I, I love that outfit. It seems like Holtman wears relatively the same top almost every game. That gray, he sometimes throws a red one on, but he's got that gray one he loves. It's quarter zip season, man. And oh, you yeah. should just keep it, it going forever. Nice golf shirts, quarter zips. Dude, uh, what are you, step back there for the people on Zoom. What do you, you kind of have a little, <laughs> you've got the George yeah, it's Washington a, it's a George on. Washington basketball shirt from Home Field Apparel. They have a lot of, if you're a big mid-major basketball fan, they have a lot of good stuff in there for you. I was going to wear my Weber State basketball shirt, but they're not here in the Big Sky Championship, so I didn't even change. Uh, I, look, if I'm in the confines of the rules, I put the mm, Doggies Buckeye Show shirt on at sure. like noon yesterday, and it's not noon <laughs> yet on Saturday, so I slept in it. Yes, it's still on. 
971thefan.com, our fan store if you're a fan of the station. There's lots of apparel. There's lots of garb there. Maybe some Mad About Hoop stuff, some stickers or something on the horizon. But that, that'll do it, man. Ohio State and Michigan. Let's go. What was the prediction one more time? I had 77-74. Who's the big player for the Buckeyes? Wow. The big player is like the leading scorer? Maybe not. I'll, I'll go with Dwayne. I think he's just white hot. We we talk to Dan Dockich on our show every week, and he talks about how Dwayne Washington has that white hot type of streak where he can just go and make everything. I think what he did in that overtime can carry over into today. So I'll go with him. They need it. I keep asking this question to Ron Stokes, the captain on the warm-up coverage, and I'm going to stop because the answer is the same. <laughs> you need your lead dogs to be the guys at this time of year. It's a right. performance like what Seth gave yesterday. That's something that Ohio State needs, something that you're not expecting. But I'm going to take it, like I said earlier in the pod, a step further with EJ. I just think he's due for a massive offensive game. I'm talking mm-hmm. 25 points plus, hopefully getting that 30-point game here and being a little bit more dominant on the glass. He's only had three double-digit rebound games all season, which was surprising to me. And I think it That's was Michigan was the last time he had the double-double. So I will say a, a sleeper guy that you had to watch out for, and I, I love his jumper. I don't know why he doesn't shoot it more, and it's Musa Jallo. I mean, he's got a crisp mid-range shot. I want to see him take more shots if he's got the opportunity. That's another one of those guys. Another one yeah. of those guys. If he's going to get the minutes, not just defensively, but attack the rim, catch some alley-oops, hit that jumper, someone like that. He stepped up two games ago. Seth was the guy yesterday. I just can't believe we're here. Three games in three days. Bucks haven't been to the weekend in a while. I'm excited for it. So we'll we'll try to see you guys tomorrow for a little uh, mm-hmm. selection Sunday. You hanging out in the morning tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, ready to go. I'm going to hit the gym, get up, and get ready for the day. Let's do it. Let's do that. It'll be a really, <laughs> really busy day. Uh, busy day. I hope we're playing. This was pretty much a speed edition. 30, 30-some 30 minutes, whatever. Episode 40 of Mad About Hoops. Check us out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends. Give us a little rating and a review. We're there. And enjoy the basketball, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. Mad About Hoops.